Last Thursday, I said on this very show that if OU wants to be a national championship contender, then the Sooners' defense must be able to slow down a team like Iowa State. I believe I also said, make Jacob Park be perfect. Well, then Friday came, and we found out that Jacob Park wasn't even going to be in Norman on Saturday. Vegas found out about the official news before we did. The line moved from OU minus 26.5 to OU minus 31.5 in minutes. Saturday was supposed to be easy for the Crimson and Cream. Come to think of it, you know what else I said last Thursday on this very show? Well, I, I said the Sooners would be more prepared for this game than any other game this season because, one, the poor showing against Baylor woke the team up, and, two, the bye week gave the Sooners extra time to prep for an overmatched, outmanned Iowa State team. Again, Saturday was supposed to be easy for the Crimson and Cream. Turns out nothing was easy for OU on Saturday. The Sooners lost at home as a 31.5-point favorite to a team who had beaten OU just once since 1961, who was starting its third-string quarterback and mixing in a linebacker to take snaps as well. Yes, the Sooners lost to that team. The Sooners lost to Iowa State. I have so many thoughts on what happened on Saturday. Thoughts on the offense, thoughts on the defense, Thoughts on the officiating. We'll get into all of that here in a moment. But ultimately, my mind keeps coming back to one thing. Saturday was supposed to be easy for the Crimson and Cream. And it wasn't. Now the remaining Saturdays on the Sooners' schedule will be anything but easy. I'm Lee Benson, and this is West of Everest. And we're not going to do an intro today, gang. No, there's too much to talk about. Frankly, I, I don't want to hear any calls from Saturday's game anyways, so... Let's bring in Grant and jump right into things. Grant, you texted me on Saturday night, late Saturday night, saying that you had a ton of thoughts about this game, just like I do. So where do you want to start? First thought, burn the all-red jerseys. Burn them. They never should see the light of day ever again. Ever. That's my opening thought, Lee. Uh, okay. I mean, that's so dumb. I mean, who cares? Like, It doesn't matter what the team wearing on the field I, I, that's how they play yes i realize that but i i feel like if i have a, a podcast about ou football i'd be remiss if i didn't mention how awful the jerseys look and i also i also said when the news came out that they were wearing them that it's gonna it, they're gonna look even worse when they wear them and they get their ass kicked and that's exactly what happened so well one i was on the field on saturday field level and the jerseys the uniforms did not look that bad the 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 worst part of it was the top the the crimson top I don't understand why they can't just wear the traditional Oklahoma home crimson with just like red pants and the regular helmet I don't know why they have to go full alternates on it because if it was just the normal crimson traditional top I think it would have looked pretty sharp and overall I, I think it looked fine but whatever that's neither here nor there they like like to change it up um, outside of the uniform situation, Grant, where else would you like to start? Well, I mean, where else can we start except for the defense? That's why they lost the game. The defense was... Um, I, I generally don't like to get too hyperbolic about this stuff, um, especially because, you know, in the last handful of years, we've seen um, we've seen a lot of really bad defensive performances. Uh, Lee, this was the worst one I've seen. This is the worst the defense I, uh, has ever looked uh, in, in a game um, that I've been an OU fan. It, it, this was worse than last year's Texas Tech game. I, I don't know about that. It was. I, I wouldn't was. say that. I, I, I mean, I've seen. I mean, I'd say the Texas Tech game was was way worse, and I'd say that Baylor game from fourteen at home, where 
they just didn't adjust at all, and Baylor kept doing whatever they wanted. I thought that was worse, too. Well, this was the exact same thing. They Iowa State kept doing the exact same thing over and over again, and they didn't adjust. And this was worse because they weren't even throwing the ball past the line of scrimmage. I mean, it's it was it was awful. They the Sooners got up fourteen to nothing, and Iowa State scored on every single one of their drives the rest of the game. Totally inexcusable. Uh, I I'm going to push back a little bit on Iowa State. It was doing the exact same thing over and over again. I thought I, I and, and just we'll talk about the Oklahoma defense, but I think you got to give credit to Iowa State's offense. I thought the the Cyclones were incredibly creative and gave Oklahoma a ton of different looks that there's no way Oklahoma saw on film, obviously because they watched a lot of film of Jacob Park coming into the game, and Iowa State obviously knew that Oklahoma would not be prepared for whatever they were going to do. And they used a lot of motion that, that threw the Sooners off. I'm not sure if, if Oklahoma saw a lot of motion in, on film when Park was playing quarterback. They may have. Maybe they, maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. And mixing in Joel Lanning at quarterback gave him a, a more of a you know a run dynamic, which I'll be honest, yeah, Oklahoma should probably stop that considering that Lanning was probably going to just be running the ball a lot more than throwing it. Uh, but, yeah, that being said, the Sooners' defense can't let a third-string quarterback and a linebacker beat them. So in that sense, I'll agree with you that it was bad. I mean, that's just a simple, simple part that a good defense, like put it this way. Uh, do you think Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Penn State, those defenses give up that kind of offense to a third string quarterback and a linebacker? I mean, of course not. They probably, not. all those defenses, all those defenses probably pitch a shutout. I, I mean, I wouldn't go that far. Iowa State still has. Uh, I, I, OK, I sorry. I, I stopped short of giving Iowa State credit because Iowa State played incredibly well. They played very well. Iowa State has, at the skill positions, is a top-half team in the Big 12, I think, uh, obviously. David Montgomery might be the best running back in the Big 12. He's really good. I, I will David Montgomery, the guy that, that Iowa State refused to give the football to, basically, for the entire second half against Texas last week. D- David Montgomery is as advertised. The guy just doesn't go down. He's, he, he's a very good player. Alan Lazard is a very good player. Um, th- these are guys who are uh, not just good players in the Big 12. These, these are good players nationally. So let's give them let's give them credit where credit is due. There, um, having that been said, though, I, I I'm going to push. I, I don't think Iowa State did anything special on offensively. I um, Kyle Kemp threw the ball past the line of scrimmage only a handful of times in the entire game. Um, they they made all their hay with, like you said, the the motion, the the people, um, the jet sweeps, the the, the screen passes. Um, oh, oh, you just wasn't ready. They they were in the. It seemed like they were in the same defense the entire game. They refused to bring pressure to create negative plays on first and second down. Um, I, I I thought Iowa State's offense was honestly was was completely predictable. I knew what they were going to run every single time they ran it. So I, um, Oklahoma they they were doing the same thing all game. They were in man coverage pretty much the entire game, just playing straight up, and they did not adjust. Not oh you no 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 they they weren't in, they weren't in man much at all. No, it was it was it was a lot of zone, a lot of zone like they normally do. Uh, I mean, the very last play of the game, the, they they got beat for a touchdown. That was that was two man. That was in two man at least on one yeah, side I know of that the was field. Two man. Yeah, uh, the other side of the field, I don't know what they. I looked that they were in cover two, and that that's what I don't understand. And again, that's that's where my you know I I feel like I I know a good amount about coverage and football and and, and the defensive defensive side of the football, but what I don't understand is whenever I see two different sides of the field playing two different coverages. I've I've never understood that. So that's more I need to do more research on that. Like whenever you see you see one guy one half of the field playing man, you see the other half of the field looks like an it's an obvious zone look. I don't understand that and to me that seems very confusing for the defense. To, to I don't understand why you would have one side of the field do one thing and the other side of the field do the other thing. 
because really, I mean, maybe that would confuse the offense, but I think it would more so confuse the defense. There's more of a chance that you're going to bust and, and you're going to have confused defensive backs not knowing, oh, am I supposed to be in man this play or the other side's supposed to be in zone? I, and I feel like that would lead to more more busts. But anyways, that's a whole other thing. Um, I, you know, yeah, Iowa State, I guess you're, you're kind of – you're saying they didn't do a whole lot of different things. I mean, it, it was a weird game where whenever – Whenever they made their big plays, at least a couple of them, it was it was like they called the perfect play for the situation. Like for instance, on let's see, I, I have I have notes all throughout the first half, second half, things like that. Um, let's see here. This is great, great podcasting. So here we go. The third quarter, second down and six, Oklahoma, a rare blitz on the game. You mentioned that Oklahoma didn't blitz a whole lot. Yeah, it was second down and six. Oklahoma blitzes off the left side and Iowa State just so happens on that play to have the perfect play called they swing it out to Marchie Murdoch who had gone in motion from the other side of the field and at that point once he made the catch in the flat it was three on two the Cyclones had the advantage both wide receivers split out as twins had the two defensive backs blocked because they were in man coverage since Oklahoma blitzed and Murdoch was basically by himself to score that long touchdown yeah, I thought, and the two-point conversion after that play tied the game. Yeah, I thought that was I thought that was their best play call of the day. It was um but it 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 matched up perfectly with what Oklahoma did though. It's not like they they saw OU was doing this and then they they switched to the play. I mean, they just had it called and it was just a But the thing is Oklahoma call. didn't blitz a whole lot. They didn't blitz yeah. a whole lot at all and just on that hap- on that play they happened to to per- the call that assume they were going to blitz or something like that or they just yeah. got lucky. So I'm not I, I I'm not as I'm I'm not as upset about them not blitzing a ton like on third down, third and long and stuff like that. I I'm more upset with them blitz uh, not blitzing early like early, you know, in downs on first and second down cuz cuz the one thing that I did notice is that Iowa State was never behind the chains in this game. Sure, they only, you know, they they only ran for about 80 yards in this game and they they really did nothing on the ground, but they were always falling forward. They were always always getting two or three yards. They were never behind the chains. And I it's it was because OU just wasn't, they just weren't aggressive at all. I, and, and I'm just, I, I was scratching my head the entire time because we all watched that game against Texas last week where uh, Todd Orlando's Texas defense just blitzed the ever-living crap out of Jacob Park and he pooped his pants the entire game. Um, so I, I think... <laughs> well, Texas blitzes every single play. I, and that's I mean, cool. Every single play, and Texas blitz. Yeah. And it's, it's very creative and, and they, they, th- they give quarterbacks a lot of weird yeah, looks. And, and I'm... Um, and I'm not saying OU should do that on every single play, obviously. But what I am saying is we saw the film. We know, uh, we knew how Jacob Park would react to blitzes. I don't understand, first of all, why that wouldn't be the game plan going in um, if you are facing Jacob Park. And I see absolutely no reason why um, they would change that game plan with a third-string quarterback. And, and in fact, I would say blitz more on a third-string quarterback. So, like, I, I just... The, the game plan to me just made no sense. It, it honestly, the game plan to me looked like, oh, hey, we found out on Friday that Jacob Park is not going to play. Let's totally just scrap this game plan and just play just base defense the entire time and not give any weird looks, which I, I think that would have made a difference in the game. I think that that really would have helped. They, they didn't. Iowa State's offensive line is, is not a great offensive line in pass protection or, or really in, in any aspect uh, for, for the most part. Um, I just you can make life a lot harder on them and they chose not to. And I just don't understand why. Well, the weird thing is, yeah, I, I don't have any issues with anything you just said there. That's, that's, 
you lay that out pretty well. But the weird thing about this game was that, you know, through the first quarter, I was watching as I watched this back because, again, I was at the game on Saturday and it's tough to really see what's going on field level because I'm focused in on the quarterback and I'm shooting tight and I just I really can't break down what's happening. And this is, uh, to be honest, this was a game where I didn't think, you know, going in, I didn't think I'd have to be going back and watching a whole lot of film to see what happened in this game because I, I thought Oklahoma would handle Iowa State just fine. But after the first quarter, upon watching it back, in my head, I think Oklahoma's rolling. I mean, this game is going to be a blowout. I mean, Oklahoma comes down, opening drive, offense, boom, 7 nothing. Defense on the ensuing drive forces a three and out. Jordan Thomas makes a really nice play on third and four, breaking up an out route, separating the receiver from the ball. Next possession, OU gets the ball back, goes down, scores. C.D. Lamb gets injured on that play, which sucks. We don't know how severe that injury is going to be. But at this point, it's 14-0. And I'm thinking, my goodness gracious, this, this is going to be a blowout. Iowa State gets the ball back on the next drive. Oklahoma forces a third and 10. I mean, at this point, two possessions for Iowa State. They haven't moved the ball at all. And at that, that third and 10 play, that's when it first started, Grant with Iowa State making the right play calls and then getting the right play. OU goes press man on that play. Kenneth Murray has the running back. They swing it out to the right to Montgomery, and Murray gets picked. He gets caught up in all the garbage in the middle of the field. Can't get out to Montgomery. And that's the first time on Saturday that we see how good Montgomery is at making people miss and being slippery and picking up yards after the catch because he got, I think, what, 50-something yards in that play down inside to to Oklahoma. I have it right here. It was – 46 yards. 46 yards, and and so that's the first big play of the game. But still, Oklahoma's defense was able to hold Iowa State to a field goal that drive. So, I mean, they gave up one big play. Yeah, that was bad, but the D, the D stiffened up. After one quarter, it's 14-3, to three, and then and it's just – it's so weird how that game ended up because it looked like it was going to be no big deal through the first 15 minutes, which I, I get that that's just one quarter, but it's just – mind-boggling to me that the game changed so much after Oklahoma dominated for the most part after that first quarter yeah that was I, I think I just mentioned a couple minutes ago that you know at OU I think we're we've kind of become accustomed to these these kind of head-scratching loss, losses uh all of all of those you know all those losses they kind of always start out uh you know pear-shaped right from the beginning this one was different in the sense that it looked like OU was dominating and then and then just all of a sudden they weren't and I, I saw a tweet during the game, or it was after the game, that said that game sure looked a whole lot like OU was just, it got to the point where they were just all of a sudden losing, and they had no idea how they were losing, and they just couldn't, they just couldn't, because it was quick. It felt like it, was, it just happened really quickly. Um, when it didn't, I mean, it, was, it happened over the course of the game, really, for the most part. Um, and I, yeah. I, I, I misspoke mm-hmm. earlier. I said, oh, you got up 14 to nothing, and Iowa State scored every single drive. That's not they, – they scored on six of their last seven drives. Um, oh, you got to stop kind of near the end of the, the second quarter, so I did want to correct myself there. Um, okay. But then, went, but then went three and out right away. Um, that was with like a minute left um, in the second quarter, and then Iowa State got it back, and they had the long pass to, to Hakeem Butler over Stephen Parker. Um, and then they got the field goal to end the, the first half. Um, and then, yeah, after that, Iowa State did score on every single drive in the, in the second half, though. So just, and, and just to kind of give the, the listeners an idea, this is a, for the first time, really, we, we kind of don't have a, 
a plan for this show, really. There's so many things to talk about, but each of us have a lot of notes. We're just kind of we're going over what our thoughts are, and I have a, a ton of thoughts. And the defense is the theme in this show. And so here is my take on the Oklahoma defense at this point in the season, Grant. And you let me know what you think about this. So what we saw in the first three games was a confident unit that played one bad team, one lower tier, probably bowl team, and one team that's a playoff contender. And Oklahoma had no problems with bad UTEP. So as soon as they weren't challenged in that game, and you and I pointed that out a lot after that UTEP game, we just we weren't sure because Oklahoma really wasn't challenged, especially the secondary. Oklahoma's defense played mostly well against Tulane aside from that first quarter. Oklahoma was challenged a little bit, but settled in in that game, played well because simply Oklahoma had more talent than the Green Wave. And Oklahoma's defense played fantastic at Ohio State, but... What we found out now after five games this year is that that Ohio State game was a bit of a mirage because the Buckeyes offense plays right into Oklahoma's hands. Mike Stoops basically acknowledged that Saturday in the postgame press conference. JT Barrett, we all know he's not a polished passer. He could not exploit the Sooners on the back end. And now in Big 12 play, teams are once again, as we've seen over the years, spreading out Oklahoma's defense. And Mike Stoops explained the obvious on Saturday, quote, we are not good enough defending the pass right now. And here's what I've seen from the Oklahoma defensive side. Well, I'll, I'll get to that secondary. But really, the front four of that Oklahoma defense can't get any pressure. It can't get any pressure at all. Really, it, it, it's, it's, and that's exacerbated by a lot of three-step, quick-hitting throws by opposing quarterbacks that don't even allow Oklahoma's front a chance to get to the passer. Against Baylor, it was secondary busts on deep pass plays against Iowa State. It was a bunch of missed tackles on swing passes into the flat, screens into the flat, which shows a lack of discipline. Simply, Oklahoma's defense was exploited in two very different ways against Baylor and then against Iowa State. What I was just saying about deep passes and then swing passes and missed tackles. But what it comes down to ultimately is that the Sooners don't have a very good defensive line. Their linebackers are, are just fine. And the secondary, a unit that I thought had turned into the strength of this team, is lacking confidence and simply can't consistently cover anybody throughout the course of a game. I, I mean, I, I, I'll push back on a little bit what you said. I'm, I, one thing I've noticed, Lee, I, I, don't, I still don't see, um, and this is the same as uh, in Baylor, Baylor game and the Iowa State game, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't see a quarterback just sitting back in the pocket and picking this team apart. That's not happening at all. Uh, the throws that we're seeing is still are still really quick. Catch the ball and throw it throws. So honestly, I don't know if the front four can get pressure because no team really sits back and tries to sit in the pocket and throw the ball. It's all just get the ball out quickly. Do I think this the front four is real is, is a really good pass rusher? No, I don't. I think Oboe is an elite pass rusher. That's about it. Um, but I, I'm still not seeing teams just you know sitting back in the pocket and running routes and just you know getting open over the middle of the field. That's not happening at all. Everything has been quick hitters. Even Iowa State's long plays in the game were all quick hitters. They were swing passes. They were just throw the ball up to Alan Lazard, see if he catches it. None of this stuff is, is sit back, have five seconds to throw, and find an open receiver. That hasn't happened yet this season. So, and I, and I'll, I, I don't know if Ohio State's offense played right into the hands of the OU's defense. I, JT Barrett is better than Zach Smith and Kyle Kempt. I, I, I think any reasonable person would, would, would say that. And if... You know, maybe, maybe if Ohio State would have followed the same uh, same game plan as Baylor and Iowa State and just throw a bunch of swing passes, maybe they would have been a lot more effective. I think right now their biggest issue on, on defense is, is one, um, tackling. Uh, 
Uh, and two, it's, I mean, I hate to single out one guy. Um, Jordan Thomas was, that was the worst game he's ever played uh, at OU yesterday. I mean, he was so bad. And I, and that, that, that's coming off maybe the worst game of his career two weeks before that against Baylor too. So I, and, and also I, sorry, I, I don't like to pick on Jordan because he's, he's been a really good player for OU, but I think even he would say in these last two games, he's been bad. And then, and then after that, I think, you know, I, I think scheme is a huge problem. Um, they, they just, they're not aggressive. They don't do anything to put pressure on the defense. Um, they did against Ohio state. They had a lot of really kind of um, creative blitzes and, coverage disguises in that game I didn't see any of that against Baylor and Iowa State and I mean I I, I hope it's not as simple as them thinking hey we're Oklahoma and we're just going to line up and beat these guys and we don't need to because that I mean that's bad if that's the case and there's there, there's there's some issues with the coaching staff all right well Grant this is the point of the show where you're going to hear something on west of Everest that I guarantee you're not going to hear anywhere else in Oklahoma media people talking about Oklahoma and it's going to surprise you based on what you just said a moment ago. Jordan Thomas against Iowa State on Saturday was actually not as bad as people are saying. I, I, like I said earlier, I was on the field in that game. I can't see up top. I can't see what it looks like play to play from up top and see what the coverage looks like, how players get open, how plays develop. I can't see it. So as I left the game on Saturday – the talk about, you know, I talked to some people that watched the game, uh, the people I work with at News 9, and, and the, the thought was consistently Jordan Thomas was awful. He got burned all day long. He was terrible against Iowa State. And in my mind, I thought, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm going to trust these people. They, they know football. But at the same time, I'm going to have a little singe of doubt because I haven't seen yet on film with my own eyes what he looked like. And so now upon watching the film back, Jordan Thomas, like I said a moment ago, really didn't play all that bad, and he played much worse against Baylor than he played against Iowa State. I will tell you that for a fact. And I, here's all the breakdown of what happened. Okay, so that fir- in the first half, really, he was fine. Nothing, nothing bad happened in the first half. I mentioned earlier he had that nice play on third down to start the game where he broke up that pass play. That was cover two. He stayed in his zone, came up, made a hit, separated the receiver from the ball. Now into the second half, and I'm sure there's a couple plays or a few plays that you have in your mind where you thought, my goodness gracious, that was awful from Jordan Thomas. So let's start with the first one. Third quarter, third and 14 from the Iowa State two-yard line, okay? For one of the rare times all game, Iowa State's backed up. They're, they're, behind, the, they're, they're behind yardage, if you will. Third and 14. You can't give up a third and 14, right? That's indefensible. Would you, would you say that? You can't. I mean, that's, that's something, especially that deep in your own territory. Oh, well, of course, yeah. I and I, I know where you're going yeah. with this. This the, the, that play. This play was on Mike Stoops, not not as much Jordan Thomas. But but continue. Well, so here's what happened on the play, and, and you may remember. I mean, Alan Lazard, simply a back shoulder catch against against Jordan Thomas, and this wasn't necessarily a bad play by Thomas. It was an instance where the wide receiver made a play and Thomas did not. It was cover three. This wasn't man coverage. He was a deep third guy. As a cornerback in cover three, you have the deep third of the field. So basically, that means that you're the deepest guy in that third of the field. You can't let anybody get behind you. So part of it is he can't let Lazard beat him deep. And at third and 14, I mean, yeah, you think this should be an easy way to play defense. But knowing that he was the last man 
on that side of the field, he had to guard against Lazard just maybe a double move and streaking deep down the field and beating him for a long touchdown, a 98-yard touchdown. So I think that factored in it a little bit on his hesitation on on that play. And really, again, it it was just a nice nice play by Lazard. And plus, the defensive line got zero pressure on Kempt. That wasn't a play really where he he caught the ball and then threw it. He had he waited about three, four seconds, and there was zero pressure on him. So he, he could have actually held the ball longer on that play if he wanted to and see to see if anything else got open. But he, of course, he, he wanted to pick on on Thomas, but mainly he wanted to throw to his his receiver that's probably going to play in the NFL one day. So that play really, at the time when I was at, on the field thinking, oh my gosh, they just gave up a third and 14 deep in Iowa State's own territory. That is unacceptable. You can't do that. When I watched the film back, it makes more sense how Iowa State was able to get that. So are you saying... Second, okay. I, I'm sorry. So I guess, yeah, I, I haven't rewatched the game yet. I haven't been able to bring myself to do it yet. Are, are you saying that was that really was just a good play by Iowa State? Because... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean... I mean, it, yeah, it, it was more of Iowa State making a play than it was Jordan Thomas botching and it. And so I think I, I think I guess where, where a lot of senior fans are, are, are just kind of frustrated, and this is in regards to Jordan Thomas, is that I, when I said earlier in this podcast that Iowa State only threw the ball a handful of times past the line of scrimmage, I wasn't kidding. I mean, that's true. And it seemed like every single time they they completed something actually downfield, it, it was on Jordan Thomas. So I think people, Jordan Thomas was there, except for the one long um, at the end of the first half where it was Stephen Parker manned up against Hakeem Butler. That, that's the only other instance I can think of where, you know, when the ball was actually thrown downfield, it wasn't Jordan Thomas. Because it, it, it was Jordan Thomas pretty much every single time. So I think I think just mentally it's easy to get into that habit of thinking, okay, every time they actually did complete something downfield, which was pretty rare in this game, actually, it, it was Jordan Thomas who was there in coverage. Yeah, 100%. And, and that's, that's why I wanted to reserve my thoughts until I watched the film. Because, yeah, it's easy as a fan and somebody that's just watching the game and, and moving away from it. Every time you see a, a pass play completed, like, oh, there's Jordan Thomas around the ball. It was definitely his fault. He made a terrible play. He's, he's the worst defender ever. But you have to have an idea of what his job is on each play and what his assignment is. And like I said, on that, that third and 14, he's got the deep third. He's not manned up on Lazard. In that situation, he, he basically was based on how quick that, that ball came out. So it, it ended up, I guess, in theory, becoming a man-on-man, even though he had, to, he had to defend that deep third of the field. So he, he had to make sure that Lazard stayed in front of him. And that's why yeah. they were able to complete that pass, because it was a back-shoulder-type throw. And, and, you, and you did bring up that there was no pressure on Kemp on that play. And I'm, I'm, of the, I'm of the mind, I think, it didn't matter, because that was basically a fade anyway. I mean, they, he didn't, he caught it, he caught it and he threw it, which was basically the case, which was was basically the case for every, for every play downfield. They caught it and they threw it. They didn't even, Iowa State didn't even for a second, um, you know, risk OU getting to the quarterback because they caught it and they threw it every single time. So that was the first Jordan Thomas play where people probably thought, man, that was awful. That was terrible. But really in actuality, it was more, it was more of a good play by Iowa State than it was a bad play by Jordan Thomas. Later in that drive, first and 10. Jordan first and 10 ball on the Oklahoma 47 yard line. Jordan Thomas gets called for a pass interference penalty. This was a bad call. It was a terrible. That was this was not pass interference. It was an awful call. If if we're thinking of the same way, we talking about the one where he he had help over the top, right? From Sylvie or something like that. And and Thomas uh, just he I'm assuming they called it because of like his arm bar or whatever. And I'm using quotations with my fingers. Um, that I remember that specifically. That looked actually like perfect coverage from Thomas. And then they just called an erroneous flag. 
Yeah, it was it was fine. Like if 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 anything, if there was any pass interference at all, it happened very early in the play before the flag even got close to coming out. Whenever Thomas got a little, got a hit on the guy and kind of got a little jam on him about more more than five yards down the field. But that's that happens all the time. That that's good coverage. You get a hit on the guy, then you, you run with them. He he got a hit on the guy. He turned his head, ran with the guy. Both players got their feet tangled a bit. The dude fell down. This was a this was a fine defensive play. Thomas was in the right spot. He played well, got called for the flag. It's like when everything is going bad against you, stuff like this happens. And that moved the football from the Oklahoma 47-yard line, 15 yards up the field, to the Oklahoma 32-yard line. Very next play was that play we talked about earlier in the podcast where they beat Oklahoma's blitz through that swing pass out to uh, Marchie or whatever the heck that guy's name was for that 32. Yep, to that thirty-two yard touchdown. That tied, so that, that, that play game, came right, right after yep. a bad pass interference call, and that, and then they got the two-point conversion. So, so again, terrible call that that goes against Thomas. That shouldn't have been called. That was good coverage. It should have been second and ten at the Oklahoma forty-seven. Instead, it was first and ten at the Oklahoma thirty-two. Then that touchdown happened. Then there was a two-point conversion play that went to Jordan Thomas's side, and again, that was a play where. Thomas didn't really have that bad of coverage. It was just a nice throw by Kemp, and Lazard boxed him out and made the catch for the two-point conversion. Thomas was even playing up and got a, like a, got a jam on him at the line of scrimmage. I just There's not a whole lot else you could do in coverage there. It was, just, it was more of a good play by Iowa State than it was a bad play by Jordan Thomas on that two-point conversion. Okay, yeah. It, I, I'll, I mean, yeah, I'll, it, just, I, it was. Yeah, and I'll, I'll take your word for it. I, I will. So I'm, I, I didn't they're, they're, like, I'm not saying that Jordan Thomas was you know, every – Every single play of this game that he was awful. I, I do I do recall him making some good plays. Um, I just I I can't I. I guess it's hard. You know, at least they lost, and you know maybe you're just not thinking clearly. I I will go back and watch this game again sometime this week, and maybe I'll I'll have All the right. same thoughts as you. Um, but yeah, it it it's I I guess it's just hard to square you know where everything went wrong if because I I guess I I just kind of refuse to believe that they were systematically just you know beaten down by Iowa State's offense and their their you know their second string quarterback I it, it's just there was so much stuff going on there it, it's just the game was weird it, it didn't look uh, like a typical game where you know you get beat because it it, it it did really seem like Iowa State they just they, they called just kind of the perfect plays every single time and give them credit for that they were prepared to play and I, I guess I'll I'll give I'll give credit to Kyle Kemp I mean he he looked like I, I don't know. The, the Sooners might have just made him look like Joe Montana, but he he looked like the second best quarterback they've faced all year. I mean, he looked pretty good. And if I if, if I can say one really good thing about Kyle Kemp is that he he looked like he was like dead out there. He looked like he wasn't even really breathing that much. He seemed like he didn't even yeah. really care. Yeah, he he was. The, the moment yeah. was not too big for him. No. I mean, he was playing loose. He had nothing to lose. And 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 again, and you mentioned it a lot today, Grant. He had a lot of easy throws, a, a lot of, ton kind of, of short throws. throws. Oh yeah, ton that Oklahoma throws. wasn't able to defend. I can uh, I, uh, I, I I can literally off the top of my head, Lee. I can only think of maybe uh, I can think of four throws really that they completed past the line of scrimmage, or at least you know five yards past the line of scrimmage. Um, and it's pretty much, you know, the, the three really big ones that everyone thinks about, you know, that, that third and 14, the 54-yarder at the end of the first half, and then the touchdown, you know, catch at the end of the game to put them up by a touchdown. In my head, that's really all I can think of. Uh, we're, we're the only plays where he, you know, caught the ball, scanned the field, and actually threw it. Other than that, it was all just swing passes and screen passes. And before we move on to the next thing, I, I have one more, one more point to make about Jordan Thomas. I wasn't done yet. Okay, uh, sorry about that. That he... 
he was called for PI later in the game on a slant route. This was pass interference. Yeah, this, that one. Was. This was not a good play by Jordan. He he got there too early. He needs to be more disciplined and and time it better, and knock it away. So that that was not a good play. Uh, but finally, the one that most stands out to most people, I'm sure, at this point, is that eventual game winning touchdown pass. That once again, it was Alan Lazard. So here's what happened on that play. It, it was third and eight from the Oklahoma 25. Oklahoma was playing two man. Thomas gets a jam on Lazard. He slips a bit if you watch the replay, but he does recover well. He You're turns his head at the right time. He he turns his head at the right time and and he goes up and I have no idea how he misses this ball. Yeah, I mean it he went, timed it well. Went through his hands. It went right. It, well, it went right by one of his art his outstretched arm. I mean it was like three inches to the left of his arm and like. And, and Chance Sylvie was supposed to be over the top playing playing two man. I mean, that, it was such a quick play; he didn't have time to get over the top yeah. to help. I, I mean, that that was another instance where that was just it, it was. I don't, don't want to say it was a. It was definitely a good play by Iowa State, but also they had a little bit of luck that Jordan Thomas somehow wasn't able to to knock it away. But at the same time, Mike Stoop said it over and over again on Saturday after the game. We got to just make plays. And that's an instance where Jordan Thomas has got to make a play. Sure. Yeah, sure. He's he, got to make that play. He's got to knock that away. Yeah. Lee, when I. But it's not like he was burned and the guy was wide open for 10 yards and it was the easiest touchdown in the world. He, he just he didn't make a play there, but he was in position to make that play. Sure. And, and I guess and, and if we want to, you know, if, if we want to think, you know, in positive terms about this, then we could say. Well, you know what? Uh, going forward in the season, Jordan Thomas, it looked like a lot on a lot of these plays, he was in a position to make a play, and he just didn't. And if you want to, you know, take the take the stance that you know making a play is a fifty-fifty proposition, just a, a flip of the coin. Maybe they just got unlucky in this game, and you know, later in the season he'll make those plays. But you're right, Lee. When that ball was thrown, and I saw where Jordan Thomas was, I kind of jumped up out of my off the couch because I thought he was going to pick it off. Because I thought I thought he was in perfect position to to pick that off, and so I. You know, and, and when it went through his hands, I thought it was weird. I just, it was, um, and in my head, I was just like, of course, you know, of course they, on third and whatever, they just, they toss it up to their NFL receiver and he just comes down with it. Um, it it's just a bad game. I, there's just, there, there's a lot to say about it, Lee, and I'm, it, I'm, I'm still trying to process it. Um, and maybe I was being a little too unfair on Jordan Thomas that, you know, in the beginning, but it's, it's, it, it, it's, it was just such a weird game. Such a weird. Uh, the tackling was bad. Everything was everything was bad. It was, and, and Iowa State played incredibly well. I, I doubt Iowa State plays better than that. You know, again the rest of the season. Well, I'm glad that you said what you said though about Thomas initially because I think your feelings about Jordan Thomas are what probably 99 percent, yep. if not 100 percent, of Oklahoma fans feel. And again, you know, whether or not you you trust my judgment watching film back, uh, I'm telling you, I. I know what I'm talking about. I, I know how to watch, especially the cornerback position. And what Oklahoma does, for the most part, is very simple. It's very simple in coverage. They play a lot of cover two. They play a lot of cover three. They'll mix in some man. And I know what the assignments are for cornerbacks. And it was a situation where things are going so bad for Jordan Thomas right now. His confidence is shot. And when things are going so bad for you, even when you're in a position to make plays like he was in that game, a lot of the time, it just didn't go his way. And it, especially that P, that PI penalty, it just I feel I feel actually bad for the guy because he's got to be thinking like I'm I was in the right spot for the most part all game and it just nothing went my way nothing went his way that game and you got to think at some point it's going to turn the other way and he'll start playing better so that's that's the positive spin on it is that it, it can only go he's he's in the right spot honestly for the most for the most part 
it just he he didn't make the play, and he's got to make that play. I'll be clear, he's got to make that play. He's a good player. Those are plays where he he good players make those plays, and he just he he wasn't able to make them. All right, so, and so you're here and Lee right now. He's setting it up. Um, you know, maybe maybe we don't think, or you know, based off the film, Jordan Thomas maybe isn't playing as as poorly as he can, and maybe it really is just a perception thing. Whereas maybe later on in the season, what if he does start making these plays? And I think you know the, you know the it'll probably be a 180 on everybody's you know thought process when it comes to Jordan Thomas. You know, if he if Jordan Thomas makes that play against Alan Lazard at the end of the game, what if he picks that off? I think everyone is saying, and you know, oh, he drives down the field and wins the game. Everybody is is probably thinking differently about Jordan Thomas. Um, they're saying, oh, he finally made that play. So it's just I, I I find it weird. It's it's just been such a fall from grace for Jordan Thomas. Jordan Thomas at times was was playing at an all-american level in 2015 and we thought maybe we had you know the, the next really good OU cornerback um and you know last year he was so inconsistent you said last year he wasn't as bad as people thought you know last year um I, I remember it the same way I didn't think he was as bad as everyone you know said he was last year either but you know this year he, he he's just not making any plays this year and that's what you want and you you know, Parnell Motley, opposite of him, has you know he's really been the only playmaker on the on the defense. And I I thought one of the funny things about the game yesterday, Lee, Parnell Motley, nobody, he he was a he was a ghost out there because they they didn't even look at his side of the field. I mean, it was I think on the on, on one of the a couple times early they kind of did to see to kind of test it out, but he he it made did, plays it and well they just, there's nothing yeah. open. I think yeah. yeah, the only really the only time in the game I remember him them going to his side of the field was on. Just the the long swing pass touchdown in the second half that gave Iowa State the lead. Parnell was the was the corner on that side of the field that got kind of swallowed up. I think he was on Lazard, and Lazard just kind of swallowed him up, uh, blocking him. That's the only time I really remember seeing Parnell Motley, which leads me to believe that they just weren't even gonna. Iowa State made the decision not even to mess around with him. Oh man, I I, I actually had some notes on that play that I wanted to bring up, and I now I'm looking at my that play was on chance. My notes I don't, I, that play was on chance, Sylvie. There's he just took a terrible angle. If any, uh, if if he would have taken a better angle, that would have that game. It would have been a gain of three or four yards. Just a really bad angle by Chance Sylvie. Uh, act, perhaps, but and without having my notes here, I, I know I wrote this down. I'll just off the top of my head, what that play was, it 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 highlighted a, a part of Oklahoma's defense that I don't understand a lot of the times because. On cover two and cover three, and that and that on that play they were playing in cover three. They were playing in cover three. So, as a cornerback, when you're out in cover two and cover three, you your job is to defend the sideline. You you don't want anybody to get outside of you. You you want to to push everybody inside because yeah. that's where there's tacklers. You have help in there. And so a lot of the time this year, when I watch Jordan Thomas and Parnell Motley line up in their cover two and cover three, they have an inside shade on the receivers, which is. That is used for man coverage because you want to be on the inside hip of the receiver and it gives you good good leverage to play man coverage. But on those situations when you're in, when you're in cover two and cover three, you want to have an outside shade to prevent people from getting outside. And on that play, Barnell Motley had an inside shade which allowed the receiver that was closest to him to get out and block him more and get him inside easier, which allowed the slot receiver to come around and and get to the sideline and have an open an open spot to the sideline which as as a cornerback in cover two and cover three you want to avoid and push people inside is and the fact that Oklahoma likes to line up with an inside shade on those coverages I don't understand and they were exploited on that play and it made it easier for that is guy there, to, get to the sideline and get up the field is there a chance that that 
that in their minds, that's their way of trying to disguise that coverage. Whereas they, you know, they, they have an inside shade. They think, oh, and I, I think Parnell was up, was up showing a jam on Lazard on that play. Um, no, no, he was, he, he was off. He was he off. Was off back of and he was off. Yeah, he was off. Yeah, he was off back about eight to ten yards. Like, that was, I mean, and he was he was showing that he was in cover three. Because that was one of the things where I thought during over the course of the game, where in my head, and of course, you know, I, I was being a couch coach, and in my head, I was thinking, man, there, Iowa State really is just catching and throwing, and he doesn't even have to think. I was like, it'd be really nice if OU would just kind of disguise their coverages a little bit, and maybe confuse the quarterback. But I, I guess obviously, you know, that didn't happen. So. I, I don't think it was a disguise technique because they do it all year. They've been doing it all year, and it's, okay. it's, it's obvious they're not in man. It's just – so, I mean, if, if, if it's a disguise technique, it's not working. Okay. Put it that I mean – Okay. Yeah, so I, I and, guess – And I think and, – and, go ahead, go and, ahead. And, yes, I, I know. So, I, I, I know Parnell has to uh, – does have to force the runner inside there. Um, and, sure, that, that's a mistake on, on Parnell's part, but that doesn't change the fact that if Chance Sylvie would have taken a better angle, it would have been a gain of three yards. So, I, you know, because and, and Chance almost even made the tackle too. It was it was his tackle that that or his missed tackle that sprung the sprung the uh, sprung the play. So, um, it's just and you know in a game like this, it's so easy to just go play by play and just point out this is where it went wrong, this is where it went wrong. And so you know, obviously, this isn't the biggest play of the game, but it was just it, when it when it comes to you know missed tackles and and just kind of lazy play. That's that 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 fifty some odd yard touchdown that put Iowa State up. That's that's one that that really sticks out in my mind. Where it, it just I feel like it just shouldn't have happened. All right, Grant. So bef- before we move on to anything with the offense, which I know you don't want to talk much about offense because the offense played pretty well, uh, we have to address the penalties, uh, all of that on the defensive side of the football. And um, th- I've already talked about how one of the pass interference penalties going against Jordan Thomas was a bad call. One of them was a good call. Um, what are your thoughts just on, on how uh, this game changed? And, and Lincoln Riley mentioned that this game changed a, a bunch on two, two penalties uh, in the second half. You know, what, what are your takeaways from that? Okay, so if we're going to talk about, um, and I'm assuming the penalties he talked about were um, obviously the one on that final drive where Iowa State took the lead for good, the, the Kenneth Murray penalty. That was one of the worst, um, the dumbest personal foul penalties I've like ever seen I, I have no idea and i'm not saying that and in the fact that i'm it should have been a penalty he should have gotten the flag thrown on him it was just it was just a brain dead moment by kenneth murray i have no idea how you can possibly do oh that. you do you think so i no i i i mean they, both guys were kind of just jockeying oh there he, and, i mean he, he open hand punched him he slapped him it was a, it was stupid that was he just put he, he he like he gave him like the stiff arm he like stiff armed him yeah that he didn't slap yeah, him yeah I'm yeah if if but you're giving you're giving the ref in that situation like an opportunity to throw a flag and it looked like it looked like a punch to me so and it, so it's not unreasonable to think that it looked the same you know to the uh, to the ref I'm 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 not gonna put that on I'm gonna put that on Kenneth Murray that was just stupid that was stupid. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't smart. I mean, if I mean, again, I had the benefit of watching the replay over and over again, you know. So in the moment, like you said, maybe it did look like a punch to the referee, but really, what it looked like was two guys kind of like doing those one of those things where they're kind of like pushing each other during the plays going on away from the play, and then Murray got the last push in, and he stupidly brought it up top towards the helmet, which then made it look even worse than it really was. If he would have just kept it towards the shoulder pads, 
it would have been nothing. And so, yeah, I guess in that sense, I, I, I suppose it, 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 yeah, it was dumb. It was dumb and it gave the referee an opportunity to throw the flag. And so I, I guess I don't want to say that, you know, that for sure, just like, cause it would have been just, it, like, I mean, it's tough that you throw that flag in that situation though, as a yeah, ref. I it, mean, to use a, to use that cliche, I hate that cliche, but come on. But still I, once, once, I mean, I, 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 it's the rule. It's I, the I rule. I get it's like, it. Yeah. I, and I understand that football is an emotional game and sometimes you lose your head. Just when the whistle blows, walk walk back to your side of the field. I just don't. I just don't get it. I, I've never understood that. Um, and I'm not saying you know what. I think it was the play was still going on, wasn't it? No, it no, wasn't. Was it was it, it was after, after the, play? the play. It was. I'm looking at oh, the man, play by play even, here. That's even worse. It was uh, second and fifteen at the Iowa State twenty. This was with about four minutes to go in the game. Second and fifteen at the ISU twenty. I'm sorry, there was seven minutes to go in the game. Uh, Kyle Kemp pass complete to David Montgomery for seven yards to the twenty-seven for. Um, uh, it would have been third and eight, and then that's where the unsportsmanlike penalty after the play. So it was after the play, okay. and that made it a first down. It would have been third and eight, and l- let's be real. They, Iowa State probably just would have thrown it up to Lazard, and he probably would have caught it anyway. So, <laughs> I, but but yeah. they didn't. But OU didn't give themselves a chance. They didn't give though, themselves a the chance, and that and that was um, so that. And then I guess I I don't. What other pen, is is he referring to the oboe penalty where he jumped on the pile? Yep, that was in the that was in the first half though. I think. Yeah, that was in the second quarter. So maybe I'm, that was on the drive where Iowa State uh, made it seventeen to ten, I believe, and that that happened like on first down. And I think they were inside the five yard line. That didn't really do anything. I, Iowa State probably would have scored anyway. I think on that one. I, I have to go back then. You know, I, I'm I'm pretty sure it was the oboe penalty was the other one. But I mean, this was uh, it, it was third. It was third. It was about to be third and goal after they stopped them, and then Oboe commits that ridiculous penalty, which gave Iowa State a free first down, and Montgomery scored on the next play. Okay. So, in theory, Oklahoma could have held them to a field goal there if, if they would have made a stop on third and goal from the three. In theory, yeah. Uh, um, in, yeah so, I, but certainly the Kenneth Murray one, that was, that was absolutely massive, and um, I'd have to go back, and, and I, I apologize for not remembering 100% if the other penalty that Lincoln Riley referred to was the oboe one from the first yeah, half. Yeah, it might have been. I, I would guess he's probably, he had to have been referring to like a pass interference penalty, I, I would think, in the second half. Um, but then, you know, if we're going to talk about just like, you know, certain instances where we felt like the game maybe turned, and I think you have to transition to the offensive side of the ball. So in my mind, you know, the two plays in the second half that really kind of signaled, uh-oh, this is starting to kind of go pear-shaped. Uh, one, of course, when the game was 24-16, to 16, um, and OU was driving the, the ball down the field at will, like they had the entire game. Um, and then, of course, you know, there's that fumble at the eight-yard line, and Iowa State um, recovers, and then, you know, from there, Iowa State gets that third and 14 completion on the next drive. Um, Lee, uh, and I, here's, I'm going to hammer, I'm going to hammer on this all the time. This is when I knew that uh, OU was going to lose the game. It was when um, Iowa State tied the game at 24, OU drove the ball down the field, and then on fourth and four, they trotted out Cybert for a 45-yard field goal. Everyone knew in the entire stadium that he was going to miss that that kick, except for Lincoln Riley, I guess. Um, and once he missed that, in my head, I was thinking, okay, they're probably going to lose this game. That was just that was just a really dumb decision. Um, I and I, I would I would wonder if and I know and this is not even a hindsight thing. I've been I've been railing on this for years and years and years. Unless it is an end of game situation where the where you can win the game or tie the game, you should never attempt a field goal over forty yards with a hashtag college kicker 
it, it's just you're you're just you're just begging you're just begging to get beat when you do that and, and I just I can't especially on 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 a short fourth down or a, a short and medium or a fourth and medium I, I then fourth and four yeah and I I knew it I knew it then it was um it, it was over there that it was just dumb it, that, that looked like something Bob Soups would do and I like how many how many field goals has has Austin Seibert made over forty yards in his career. I don't know. You tell me. You would know. You would know better than me. I don't know. Maybe it's, two. It's or, not a whole maybe lot. Two, two or three. I'm guessing. Maybe it's, it was dumb. And I, you have you, you literally have the best offense in the country. Go pick up four yards. And I, just knowing that, I, I, I really would think I, a missed field goal in that instance is a bigger swing of momentum than I think a stop on fourth down would have been. And I, I just, I, I knew then that Iowa State was probably going to get it back and score right away. And you know that's what happened, and it was it was sad. And I I knew as soon as he trotted him out that they were screwed. Yeah, you and I have been hammering on this point ever since our our first podcast. I mean, you and I despise, and you said hashtag hashtag college kickers, and it's because of this. And you know maybe other teams have better kickers. It certainly seemed like Iowa State's kicker was capable. Yeah, but you know what? I don't care. Even if even if it's Iowa State's capable kicker, I'm with you. With especially with Oklahoma's offense, as you mentioned, it, it was it was more it was head scratching because on third down, on third and three, they ran the football with Trey Sermon and he lost a yard, I think, and made it fourth and four. With them running the ball in that play, it kind of made me think four down territory, four down territory. Yeah. So like they're they're gonna go for four, and so like yeah, let's 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 try to surprise Iowa State on this third down play because they think we're gonna throw it. Let's run it. Iowa State played good defense and forced a fourth down and four. What does Iowa State want Oklahoma to do with that spot? Iowa State says, please kick it. Yes. Please kick Absolutely. it. Please kick it. When you have a team that says, please kick it, and the entire Iowa State fan base saying, please kick it, don't kick it. Go for it. Put the ball in Baker Mayfield's hands. It's four yards. Yeah, and I and so that that really is my, um, on the offensive side of the ball, that's my biggest complaint. I thought the offense played well. Uh, they um I, I, there's probably a lot of people who are going to be him and Han saying the offense didn't do their part. The offense played well. They they averaged again almost ten yards per play. Um, it, I, I think I thought Iowa State's defense played actually really well. Um, Oklahoma still they, they still had over 500 yards of offense and nearly 10 yards per play. Their offense is still very good. I thought I thought Baker played actually pretty well in this game, Lee. Um, yeah, he, he yeah. continues to play really well. You just it's it's one of those things though. Since they lost, you you can point to a couple of plays where you're like, ah, eh, he could have been better. And that's it's he's he's so good all the time. It's it's almost it's tough to point out the plays where he, he you know the few plays where he actually doesn't play well because again he he's so precise and so good for the majority of the game all the time. And not to say that the offense is beyond criticism because I'm not going to say that. I I didn't think the receivers you know after C D Lamb got hurt played particularly well. You know, you saw there were some instances where they really struggled to get open. Um, and it actually, I, I did want to go back a little bit to last year's game, Lee, because um, I, I don't think people remember this, but there was a lot of that in last year's game too, uh, where Baker was just kind of sitting back there, jump, like was sitting back there waiting for people to get open, and they wouldn't, and they still had D.D. Westbrook last year. So Iowa State has, is a, has, has been able to do something on defense um, that, because it, it, it did happen last year. There, there were a lot of... Iowa instances, State... Yeah. A lot of the times they drop eight into coverage, and their their cover guys they know how to play zone. I mean, they yeah. know how to make sure they do their jobs and stay in their zone. And anybody that comes into their zone, they're aware of it. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of it, because they're so used to playing that sort of zone coverage, and they're all assignment sound 
players. I mean, and they weren't able, Oklahoma was never once able to get a receiver past the safeties. They never were able to take the top off. So there was one time where they tried to throw it deep to Marquise Brown, and, and there was no—he wasn't even open. Good coverage, and, yeah. and and the guy—the guy intercepted the ball out of bounds. So, so and, I mean, yeah, it's good and coverage. I, I think I, I really do think that is more of just an instance of OU playing well. Uh, They've—that—that's been OU's thing this year. They've been able to take the top off of defense and have big plays. They weren't able to because I think that was Iowa State's game plan, and they executed it perfectly. Yeah, that's but, smart, and that, and that shouldn't. That shouldn't take away at all with how OU's offense played well in this game. They did. They had over 500 yards, and they only had the ball eight, like eight times in this game. So it's they had very, very few possessions. They scored on you know, over half of their possessions. They only punted once. The offense was good. They still have the best offense in the country, and that's why, that's why this game is weird, uh, just because I, it, has, it has sort of a different feel than, um, than other disappointing losses. So this is... I, I realize this was a bad loss, and everyone feels awful about it the day after and a couple of days after. Um, but I, I'm still on the on the pump the brakes. It was a bad loss. If stuff like this continues for the rest of the season, obviously it's going to be an issue. Obviously, um, but I think I, I think it's sort of irresponsible to only use this game as evidence for the rest of the season when we have four other games to go. Um, you know, to break down as well. And of course, this is the most recent one, so this is you know the one we have you know the best memory of. Um, every week is different. This this college football is very static. You know they could come out next week and play incredibly well, and everyone forgets about this game. So I I, I don't think this was like them losing at home to Kansas. It's just, it's not anywhere close to that. Iowa State is still a fringe bowl team. They're still a fringe six and seven win team, kind of like I've been saying all season long. This is this is not a bad team they lost to. Um, it doesn't excuse it. They shouldn't have lost, and I I still think it's a bad loss. Um, but I. I I did think I think context is needed here. This is not like they lined up and lost, you know, to Kansas. This is a team that that does have some NFL players. Um, Alan Lazard is going to be an NFL player. David Montgomery is going to be an NFL player. Um, so I, I did want to throw that out there, not to excuse what happened, but just just to add a little context that they didn't they they didn't lose. This is not like Stan uh, USC losing to Stanford a decade ago when they were forty point favorites. This is not the same thing couple more notes before we wrap this thing up. I wish I would have said this uh, five or ten minutes ago when we were discussing Austin Seibert. Just to get into Lincoln Riley's head, I'm sure his mentality behind trotting out Seibert there is, okay, Austin's fantastic at touchbacks. He's, he's always kicking the ball deep. He made a field goal easily earlier in the game. I have confidence in him. I have to show confidence in my kicker because we're going to need him as the year progresses and he needs to get his confidence up. He made a field goal earlier. He's going to make this field goal as well. I got to I got to put him out there because that's his job. I'm sure that's the, the reason why Riley put him out there. So, again, I don't agree with that because I don't like having kickers kick, to be honest with you. I want them kicking short field goals and extra points. But as a head coach, I understand why Riley would want to put him out there to continue to keep his confidence rising. And he made that field goal earlier in the game. Sure. Second. Yeah, sure. I, sorry, I just wanted to comment on that. And I get it. I, okay. I, I, I'm, I'm assuming a lot of it was. Iowa State has scored 14 unanswered points. They have all the momentum. We got to put some points on the board. My my issue is, I, I just I, I think as a head coach, you if if a college kicker is going to kick a 40 off a 40 yard field goal, you always have to assume he's going to miss it because he most likely is. I, I would assume that Austin Austin <laughs> Seibert has yeah. has probably missed more 40 yard field goals than he has made in his career, and I think that needs to be a and of course, I, that, I guess it doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to make or miss this upcoming one. That's not, you know, 
That doesn't 100% mean that. But it means the likelihood of him making it is not very good. And I just, I, I think it was probably a panic move. It had to have been. And he thought to himself, we just need points. Um, yeah. 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 Okay. And, and I don't, I just, I don't like that. I wish he would have had, I wish he would have stuck more to his identity. And the last point I, I have regarding the offense and before we, we end the podcast, unless you have any more points to make, is I got to say, Grant, and I, this isn't obvious. I mean, I, I love Lincoln Riley. Let's, and I, we, we both do. He's, he's an offensive genius. He's a, I think he's going to be a fantastic head coach. I mean, he already has been a great head coach. But I got to be honest with you, Grant, for the first time ever, I questioned his offensive genius on that final play of the game. Yeah. Because mainly it came after a timeout. So they had plenty of time to dissect, to, to draw up something that they wanted to do. And so here's what he talked about after the game. He, he, he was asked about that final play. He said that Iowa State dropped eight, which they had been doing all game. And Riley said that he anticipated that. So what he did was he called a crossing route to get a matchup for Mark Andrews over the middle, which Iowa State bottled up and made a nice play. And that caused Baker Mayfield to scramble around and, and that was it because the coverage was so good for Iowa State which it had been for most of the game and to me that's just concerning to call that play after a timeout because to get four yards in that situation I thought it was certainly more likely than not that Oklahoma would get that those, those four yards and to call a play where really it sounded like it was a one read look to Mark Andrews over the middle in traffic after eight guys dropped I would have anticipated some sort of a rub route, maybe a clear out with a slot guy running an out route yeah. to a pick play to get four or five yards near the boundary. I mean, those are almost money plays, and it's just disappointing to see that was the play call after they had time, after during the timeout to discuss it. And and it's just disappointing that this offense wasn't able to gain four yards when they absolutely needed it. Yeah, it's, I, I, I'm I'm really disappointed with that play call, too. I they went. I'm pretty sure they went five wide on that, too. Um, I, I knew kind of instantly there that, oh, crap, we're not really going to get much of anything creative here. Um, I would have, after they called that timeout, my thought process was, um, one, Trey Sermon and Dimitri Flowers both absolutely need to be on the field. Um, I thought they should have gone with their, their little two-back look that they like a lot, and they should have put Sermon and Flowers there or somewhere. Um, I Initially, I thought once they called a timeout, um, I was like, they're, they have something drawn up here, and it's going to go to Flowers. Um, that's, that's who I would have been looking to, to on that play. Um, I, I thought maybe they would do one of their little pop passes to flowers, um, or something like that. But something tells yeah. me that they, they assumed Iowa state would be waiting for that. So they like on purpose went away from that. Cause they, they thought Iowa state would be yep. predicting that they would do that. And, that that's something that yeah. I, that's, that's my guess. And so, and yeah, and, uh, so I was saying that they, they did drop eight and then landing was, was, uh, was shadowing Baker. So I just and it's tough, man. When you got when you're going against eight guys, it's just, it's hard to get open. Still, that's why I. Um, and it's it's all about you know can your can your offensive line just give you enough time because usually you know you, you'll be able to find someone. Um, I, I did notice. I, I guess I'll have to go back and look at it. I don't know who exactly he was throwing to on that last play, but Mike. But, he was throwing to Marquise Brown, okay, but Michael Jones actually was open underneath. Yeah. Uh, on that, on that, just on a different level, and so I thought maybe he was actually going to Michael Jones, and he just he just airmailed it because Michael Jones was actually kind of wide open. So he was, yeah, so he was wide open, and just just he was about seven yards behind Brown, or, more towards the middle of the yeah. field, which would have been more of a across his body, middle of the field throw. But there was nobody, no defender around yeah. him, so yeah. it it wouldn't have been it, it technically it wasn't going to be that dangerous of a throw. 
yeah so that i mean it's, it's disappointing yeah I, I wish they would have they would have called a little something more creative on that fourth down uh just get, give some options uh I, I i didn't like the whole spread them out five yard or uh, five wide and just take the snap and then look for the open guy i think that's just that's way too much of a risky call on a fourth down and that's not really something you see a lot from lincoln riley anyway how often do you see five wide and then just let baker sit back there and pick someone apart I, you don't you, you always you always see Lincoln give bigger options, so that that was disappointing. I, I wish I wish they would have come up with something a little more creative in that situation. Um, I, I guess that that's just nitpicking, though. You can always point to one play, especially in a game like that that's so close. Um, you know, if you don't call up the perfect play and it doesn't work, you're always going to catch hell for it. So I, I, for the most part, OU's offense played well in that game. Again, I, I don't really it, it hurts. One, I, I thought, um, I, I I do think. If Abdul Adams would have stayed healthy and wouldn't have gotten hurt, you know, after the first series of the game, I thought he really would have helped. Abdul Adams is is a really good player, and it, it did hurt to lose him. I, he he does. You saw in the very first play of the game that he took for forty some odd yards, um, just how quick he is, and he is pretty explosive. They they missed that in the game today or yesterday. So, other than that, I, I'm sure I, I I thought the defense lost in the game. I thought the offense played well enough to win. Um, they just Scored 31 points, but a lot of that had to do with Iowa State just holding the ball for a long time, and, and the Sooners not really getting a lot of possessions. All right, I think that about covers it. Certainly, there's a million other things we have to talk about. It's just we've we've gone about an hour. We got to get out of here. I, I do want to say one more thing, Lee. Just you know, just okay. just just going forward, you're you're likely to see a lot of people writing off the Sooners, and I I think it's understandable. That's fine. They they did just lose to Iowa State. I get it. This season's not over. It's not. I, I understand this was a this was a really weird weird game, but it, it was still only a month ago they went into Columbus and beat Ohio State, and I'm so, and they still have the same guys on this team. They are capable. They can do this. We've seen it before. This Iowa State team is not is not much worse than that Texas team that they lost to a couple of years ago, and then they went on the run and and still won the Big Twelve and went to the College Football Playoff. I'm not saying that is absolutely going to happen again. But what I am saying is uh, this team has been in this exact position before, and there has been you know, two times already in Baker Mayfield's uh, career they've, they've responded perfectly both times. So is that going to happen again this year? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame anybody for thinking that it's not going to happen just based off of what we've seen. But we'll, we'll see next week how they come out against Texas. If they come out ready to play against Texas, I think a lot of people are going to feel a lot better about where this team is. This team still has everything in front of them. Don't listen to anybody saying that their playoff hopes are done. That's not true. That uh, that Ohio State win is still a really, really big deal. I think that still puts them number one in the pecking order of the one-loss teams. And so, uh, and of course, if, if they don't improve from this Iowa State game, they're screwed. You know, They're, they're going to lose four or five games if, that, if that's the case, if they come out like they did yesterday. But thankfully, football is a week-to-week sport. A lot can change from week to week, and, and you just never really know what you're going to get. But so, so I hope this served as a wake-up call for them. I hope they come out hungry, especially the defense. I hope they come out and attack. I hope they learn their lesson. I hope they come out and think they have nothing to lose because really, for the most part, they don't. They, hopefully, they can come out and play loose, and they can have fun and fast. And, and if that's the case, hopefully we can have a fun October and November because I think just based off of where we were a month ago after how excited everyone was after that game in Columbus, you know, yesterday felt like a really big punch in the gut. And yeah. It can get better, and I hope it does. And so hopefully this team can rebound and do what they have to do.
And that's all I have to say. All right, that's our show. Hopefully, Grant and I have helped you cope with the latest shocking OU football loss. Next up for the Sooners is, of course, Texas. And honestly, I'm not I'm not that excited about that matchup right now. Just, just am not. Maybe those feelings will change by our next show on Thursday. Maybe they will. So just stay tuned. One thing that definitely will be changed by next show, Grant and I's top 10. Those rankings will look very different very, this very week. Different. We'll unveil them on Thursday. Until then, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.